Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to We Are Family. I'm Julia Dennison. On each episode, you get to hear my conversation with celebrities and creatives as they share the beautifully unique, often hilarious, and absolutely fascinating way they live their family lives. This week, we're paying another visit to my interview with Real Housewife Dorinda Medley. Dorinda shared so much about her incredibly special relationship with her daughter, Hannah, from how her life transformed when she became a mother to the challenges of co-parenting and dating as a single mom. Enjoy! When I think of family, I think of home, safety, love, and freedom. Welcome to We Are Family. Very excited to be here. We're so happy to have you, Dorinda. We're here with Dorinda. She's a TV personality, entrepreneur, entertainer, philanthropist, mother to her daughter, Hannah. You, of course, all know her as the cast member of six seasons of The Real Housewives of New York City. And she's now the author of her new memoir, Make It Nice. Dorinda, I'm so happy to have you. Welcome to We Are Family. Thank you. Well, this is hits very close to my heart because, as you know, you just read through the book and a lot of it's about my family. And I love, I actually really, myself, writing it, enjoyed the beginning, how I talk about I spent my whole life trying to get away from Great Barrington. And here I was in Great Barrington all these years later writing my memoir. I had to travel very far to get back home again. Yes. Um, and I feel like Bluestone Manor in Great Barrington is like your, it's like a part of the family, it feels like, or a character in your book for sure. You know what I say about Bluestone Manor is for me, it's a living, breathing thing. It's my home. And I really, you know, love it, live with it, use it. It's not a fragile place. I, I think that's one thing that when people come to Bluestone Manor, you know, every part of it is used. We're in the kitchen. We use the china. There's lots of seating places. There's lots of soft touch things. You know, it's a real home. Yes, I love it. And, you know, that's what I love about you is, is you're so relatable in, in so many ways, at least for myself, but I think plenty of other people. But um, just to say as myself, obviously, I'm a big fan of the show, but I'm also a single mom. Oh, you're a single mom. So, yeah, so um, I'm a single mom, and I'm divorced to a British guy who I co-parent with, and I lived in London for 10 years. So, like, there's so Oh, my God, you're me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I was sort of reading in your book that you felt like you spent your formative years there, and I was the same. I kind of learned how to be an adult in the UK, and then I came back to New York for similar reasons, because that that draw of being close to my family who live over here, obviously, was, you know, too alluring. Well, I think the the great experience, uh, the great gift of living in London at an early age is that you kind of, it's a really great place to sharpen your skills, right? Yeah, it's it's a whole different way of life. And it teaches you just socially, it's different how people live and how people interact. And I think I was more of an adult back when I lived in London than I am now. I look at pictures of myself with Hannah. And I look like I'm like, 
I, I'm playing so adult and I'm like 26, 27 years old, you know, and I've got the Chanel jacket on and poor baby and the headband and the nanny and the blah, blah, blah. You know, I really was trying very hard to be like that investment baker's wife in London. Right. But I also think there's something about moving abroad that I experienced, leaving my family behind and having to create my own friends and family from scratch, which isn't, you know, certainly not easy in, in any circumstance, but can often feel not that easy when you're in London too, as much as, and now my best friends in the entire world are, are British. So I got there in the end. I, I have a really funny story. I was living in Eaton Square in SW1 and my husband was working for Lehman Brothers, Ralph, and he was working 14, 15 hours a day. So literally we landed the next morning. He was like, see ya. You know, he was like six <laughs> in the morning. And I was like, oh my God, okay, here we are. And I went across right next door to me and I knocked on the door and I said, oh my God, my name's Dorinda Lynch and I just moved here from America and I just want to meet new friends. The woman looked like I was going to rob her. She was like, for God's sakes, why would I possibly want to? I mean, she was so offended. I thought, oh God, I'm in trouble because it's a total, you have to peel the onion over there. You You have to be slightly interestingly disinterested. Yes. And once you get in there, they're friends for life. Forever. Do you know if I go back there for a week, it's as if I never left. Same. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think there's positives to having lived so long in another country because you have all these friends, but then you always have people to miss too. But um, yes. but we're here to talk about family and, you know, and I do think friends are, are, are part of the family too. And, you know, it's like family you make. But, well, I think um, you grow up with your family and then you go out in the world, and especially if you venture the way we did, you have to create your own family because that's yeah. how you're used to living. You know, I grew up in a big ethnic family. And there were always people around and food and loud noise, either we were arguing or loving. You know, I I am not a person that could not live with other people. So when I moved abroad, it was very important for me or anytime. It's just it's very important for me to have, um, you know, friends around me and especially strong. I love strong women. And I've always been very lucky because a lot of the women in my life have always been very strong figures. So I tend to strong women. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, what I love is that you start so many of your phrases on the show, but then also in the book with my mother says, as my mother <laughs> says, you know, and like, I love that. So she was obviously such, such a huge influence for you and your upbringing. I loved being little. I mean, I remember being like 14 and my mother saying to me in four years, you're going to call it a college. And I had a horrible like realization that I was growing up and I bawled my eyes out. I was like, I don't want to grow up because really my house was about my mother. She was the, my father worked tremendously long hours and was always working. And we, we, I think I say in the book at one point, I don't know why I loved him, but I loved him because I did see him so much. But when he came home, we were always so happy to see dad because, you know, he was, he worked 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Um, But, you know, everything came from home. Like, we didn't make a lot of outside plans. You know, the goal every day was to get home safe and achieved. Like, you never came home without a story or a success. Guess what I did today? I made, you know, so my mother definitely raised very success-oriented children that, you know, were always representing the family. Makes sense. We're all very different, my brothers and sisters, but we were very close. We were like each other's best friends. And of course, we had the neighborhood friends and stuff. But really, the goal was to be home. And it was filled with love and a lot of food and a lot of discussion, a lot of religion. 
I mean, my house was very, I grew up with life size, the life size. I, the first 10 minutes of my life was spent bending and kneeling to different life size statues in my bedroom. I always, I said to someone the other day, it's no wonder I was never able to have sex with all those statues around. <laughs> I, was, I was like, all right, Anthony, please help me find this. St. Christopher, make sure I have a good trip. Virgin Mary, I love you so much. I'm not going to do anything bad. St. Michael, make sure you look over me and keep the bad people away. And of course, Jesus, I mean, you're just everything. See, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So you'd already met Ralph, your first husband, before you moved abroad, right? And you moved yes. abroad together because he was British. And I can relate because it was very similar to my own situation. But you said that you, you, when you met him, you thought right away that he would make a good father. I did. What about him struck you as being a good, good potential father? You know, I was never a big dater and I'm still not a big dater. It's not, not good, bad or otherwise. It's just not who I am. And when I met Ralph, he just was so charming and so kind and was such a hard worker. And as Ralph says, I, you, I, on our first day, I asked him about his health insurance. He had a very good health insurance. We <laughs> <laughs> always laughed about that. No, and he just seemed to take a real interest in me. He was incredibly responsible, incredibly kind very ex-rugby player, very good looking. And we just hit it off. And, you know, I just, I was looking for someone that kind of had the same sort of goals in mind as I did, you know, and he just seemed to be that guy. And I was right. He's been a wonderful father to my daughter and in a very important part of my life. You know, I don't think because you get divorced, you know, that you have to get rid of the person. We just lost touch. It was not one thing. We realized it would be better to be keep our relationship intact as friends and be good parents than try to continue on pretending like it was going to yeah. be a marriage. And, you know, I wanted to, um, I I wanted to have a, a another romantic involvement. I wanted to feel that now that I was a grown woman. I really married Ralph as a child. That's how I feel about my ex husband. This is so. This is this is blowing my mind because there's so many similarities. I very good friends with him now, um, and I really do believe that uh, relationships have expiration dates. And it's not to say that it wasn't a wonderful relationship for the length of time it was, but I really take that into co-parenting, and I really try to advocate the fact that it's kind of bonkers to me. And maybe you might agree that like we're expected our part expecting our partners to be our best friends, our sexual partners our parents, you know, all these roles, and you have to be perfect at all of them. <laughs> Whereas my ex is a great dad. He's maybe not my husband. He would not be a good husband for me right now, but he's a great dad. You know what I mean? Well, that's right. And also, too, I do think there's something to be said for that. We, It's a lot, you know, Ralph had a lot of pressure as a young guy. He was working for Lehman Brothers when we moved to London. And I don't think I could fully appreciate that. And then you're living in a foreign country and you don't have the support system. I mean, to, I, who would have ever thought Someone like me would have Hannah without any family member around. Like if you told me that as a young girl, that you're going to have a baby one day and your mother's not going to be there in the waiting room, I would have never believed it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The, the parts in the book when you talk about your relationship with Hannah just had me bawling because I just, it's so wonderful, so touching. But also as a single mom, like there's just such a special connection. I'm also a single mom of, a, of an only daughter and that sort of special bond and mine's only five. But it's like what, looking at your relationship with Hannah, I'm like, oh, this is what it's going to be. It's just so beautiful. Thank you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you think your relationship with Hannah changed when you became a single mom? Or, you know, can you talk also about just that feeling of first becoming her mom? I remember my mom said, <laughs> no, I remember when my mother saw me when I was about <laughs> six months pregnant. Finally, someone is going to clip Dorinda Lynch's wings. I can't wait. I was like, oh, no, no one is going to clip my wings. I have the nanny, the baby nurse, the housekeeper. I'm going to literally have this baby, drop the baby weight, and off to Venice I go in February, right? I was like, I'm going to be that person. And I'll never forget the moment when she, like I talk about in the book, it really was like when, when she came out and she looked at me and I was like, I know you, like, this is it. Like, this is the beginning, the middle, and the end right in front of me. And I really felt that that invisible string that I felt always from my grandmother to my mother and my mother to me, like literally extend to her. And I went home and I was like, I am never leaving you. You know what I mean? Yes. I just, oh my God. it was just, and, and it made me grow up so fast and make me so responsible. And all of what the thing that really was amazing to me is everything that my mother would used to do with her hands and the way she's handling, I saw me doing with my hands and caring for things. So it was just like, I'd been preparing all my life for that role, but I didn't know it. And I had people preparing me for that role and I didn't know it. It's so, I related so hard to that because I remember when my daughter was born and I said to my mom, like, oh my goodness, my heart is now outside of my body and I can't fully control it. And like, that is terrifying. And I said to my mom, does that feeling of of that terrifying, it's like a mix of just extreme love, but then also terrifying because you can't, you yeah. just can't always protect them. Um, and my mom's like, nope, it doesn't go away. Welcome to my no. life. <laughs> and I and I also talk in the book too, honestly, that motherhood's hard. I mean, it's not, yep. there were times where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. Yes. Like, you know, there were times when it would be four o'clock and dark in London. And I think, I really don't want to do this anymore. I'm kind of over it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're the mon- because in order to be a good parent, you, the monotony is important. They love the ritual. They love the repeat. So, you know, I don't know about you, but there were many nights where she was like, Mama, can you please read this again? I'm like, no, I can't. No. Oh, my God. And also when, you know, when you're a single mom and you're you're managing, I always think about like your life as a pie. And when you're managing to try and date and your love life on top of being a mom, it's a big piece of the pie. Can you talk about how you sort of navigated dating? I've always sort of been a person that dated with purpose, but I definitely dated with purpose once I was a single mom because I worked as well as a single mom. So I would be up every day. We'd, you know, we'd make our beds. We'd go to, she went to Sacred Heart. I would work. Mm -hmm. I'd pick her up. She was my focus because I wanted to get her to, you know, I think for mothers, it's all, it's not about the micro. It's about the macro. You've got a goal in mind to get them to the finish line. 
And, you know, you can really screw that up if you don't watch out. You know, it doesn't take much to kind of, you know, we definitely screw up all the time, but you got to make sure there's a majority of consistency in your life with them. But I was just like, I have some ground rules. You don't sleep over my house. You know, you've got to, I'm not going to get married unless you're going to take my daughter on as fully as, as I do. And I don't want to play around doing bullshit. I just don't. You know, people that were frivolous with me, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, then we're good. Let's just keep it moving, okay? <laughs> right, right, right. And then, of course, you met Richard, and everything you say about him is just so beautiful to read, and such relationship goals, what you had um, with him. Well, Richard and I met very unconventionally because I was his real estate agent. It was literally like four or five or six months later, I had already gotten him the townhouse, and they called, and I really thought he was calling I mean, literally, I, I put him on pause and I said, now he can't take back my commission, right? Because I was great. I had no idea. <laughs> so when he asked me out, it was just unbelievable. I couldn't, I actually couldn't believe that he, he wanted to go. And I thought, oh, I'll try. I'll go out. Yeah. And so then you were able to create this blended family because Ralph and Richard. But we set the ground rules very early on that. And I was very clear about that. And he was very uh, amenable to it, you know. And we, in a lot of ways, we had a very traditional marriage in a lot of ways we did. Because, like, if his kids sometimes came, like, I never got, the apartment I'm living in now is the one I always own. And I never got rid of my apartment. I literally turned mm. the key to the door and went, went after I got married and went to live with him. I never moved a thing except my clothes out of my apartment. And there were many weekends, like he'd have his kids and literally I would be like, have dinner with him and his kids on a Friday night and Hannah and I'd come back to this apartment and we'd spend the weekend together and then go back and meet them on Sundays for lunch because I wanted him to be able to have that time with his kids. Because, you know, it's hard when people get blended families. And I think a lot of times the stepkids of the father get the short end of the stick because Hannah all of a sudden had their father all the time. So it was nice. To kind of, and it was nice for me to have Hannah back here. We really looked forward to it. And he was very open about that. Listen, you got to be, especially with a blended family, you have to be willing to compromise a bit because nothing's perfect. Yes, absolutely. And you have to be flexible and pick your battles, I think. You know, that's what I always say. To pick your battles, you know, you got to remember and respect that they had a family before you. And, you know, it's uh, it's sometimes hard being the new wife or being the stepchild of or being the new child. And all that comes into play. So you're constantly about you're doing a balancing act with it, you know, and then you're a newly married couple. So you want that time together, too. And the kids don't get it. You know, no one wants to see mommy's new husband kissing him in the kitchen and his stepkids over to the left. So you're constantly like, right, that's it. There's just so much more to juggle when you're kind of trying to create a new family on top of your existing family and the figuring out the boundaries and, you know, what's okay, what's not okay. There's a time where like people, single mothers will be in a relationship, but they'll live separately until their kids are growing up. Like that to me would be the perfect thing to have. Imagine this, you lived in an apartment, this one, and next door lived your new husband and his kids. So you got to see each other whenever you wanted. But <laughs> Right. You know, I think that's not a bad idea. So, but it is, you know, with all things parenthood, it feels like it's a lot of making it up as you go along and just trying to make those good Correct. decisions. <laughs> and then just when you get it figured out, you'll turn it all upside down again. Right, right. Reading about your and Richard's relationship really just for me was like, okay, 
it's it was sound so beautiful. You guys just seem to really kind of connect in this really kind of profound way. Richard was a great partner. He was a great, you know, we were very yin and yang. He always used to say, I, the great thing about you and I during the medley is that I'm the map maker and you're the executor and everybody, a map is nothing without the executor. So Richard was definitely more the cerebral one, the calmer one, but he definitely got a, a, a kick out of me sort of being, uh, you know, the planner, the doer, the one that always likes be social and do all that kind of stuff. You know, I think it worked for me. It does work for everyone, but we all had a role and we liked our roles and it worked like a fine tuned machine. And then we really just enjoyed each other's company. I, I think in one of the things that really made me fall deeply, deeply in love with him is that he just loved my daughter so much. I mean, it was such a tremendous, I, I can't say this without say, not saying bad, but in a weird way, it was almost as bad a loss for my daughter as it was for me because she loved him and, and Hannah's father loved him. So we lost our family and extended family lost a family member and I lost a husband. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. But you know, I don't regret, I don't, I'm not angry. You know, my mother said, <laughs> my mother said, my mother, you know, I remember one day I was right. I don't know, probably a month after, um, he passed and it was early December. And I was like, I don't even know if I want to decorate this year, which, you know, for my family is like a cardinal sin. <laughs> my mother's like, whoa, now we have a problem. Right. When Dorinda doesn't want to do uh, yeah. the holidays, that's when you worry. My mother said, so what are we going to do here? So she goes, so let me ask you a question. She said, with all this sitting around and, and crying and being rich. So if Richard Mentley came to you 10 years ago and said, I'm going to give you, or eight years ago, and I'm going to meet you and give you, you're going to have a beautiful life together for eight years. I'm going to help you raise your daughter. You're going to, we're going to do beautiful things together. And then I'm going to have to go, would you have done it? I said, yes. She goes, well, that's what you got eight years and you better start focusing on the positive Dorinda instead of he's dead. Now you can't do anything about that. You're alive. Right. And my mother would say to me, get up every morning and take a walk and be thankful. And then you could be sad too, but you got to start focusing on the positive too. Right. Wash your face, go for a walk. That's what you were saying. Well, it's part of life, you know. It's not that she didn't want me to be sad. She just wanted me to say, you know, and I thought about it. It was like, well, you know, you, my mother suffered some losses. but And I remember her being sad, but I don't remember it disabling her. Yeah, but yes, to, as you were saying, reading Hannah's words that you printed in the book from the funeral were just like so beautiful and so moving about Richard. And also just really kind of hit home for me because I was like, yes, like that's the goal in terms of being a single mom and dating is like, you want that, you want that person to, to love your daughter and your daughter to love that person just as much as they love you. You've such, made, make such clear points about dating and boundaries and just prioritizing your kid. And that really kind of hits home for me. I just think it's important in life generally to have good boundaries and parameters. You know, I'm sort of, I know people probably don't know that about me, but I'm actually quite a disciplined person. You know, I like to have fun. I like to be crazy. But at the end of the day, you know, I was never the person that overslept and, you know, uh, mistaking him to school. Like Hannah said that once to me and she goes, you know, mom, I don't think I've ever been awake before you were in the morning. And I took that as such a compliment. I'm like, well, of course, I'm the mother. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine waking up when your mother's asleep? And I started thinking about it to my, with my mother. I'm like, I can't imagine waking up and have my mother asleep in her room. Like that would, she would have to be almost sick. I'd be like, what is going on here? Is the world falling apart? <laughs> 
Right. And I think you said it also when you were dating. You said that over and over again. I'm a mother, so therefore you can't just, like, schedule a date for me and have that be later today or tomorrow. You've got to plan it ahead. And you've got to, you know, we have schedules and we have to plan these things out. And I thought, that is so true. The amount of times I'm dating, one of my bugbears dating is that it'll be like, let's go on a date tomorrow. And it's like, I have a custody schedule. No, it's like, how dare you? <laughs> That's what it is. Right. <laughs> I love that. You know, yeah, it does give us a little bit of a magic superpower. We're mothers first. I like that. I love a good single mother. Yay. No, me too. But I, so your ex-partner, John, he was sort of the opposite, right? So he, he'd never been married and he kind of had no idea how to parent. I've never been married, never had children, really lived a free life. But, you know, after Richard died, I don't think I was my goal wasn't to get married again. I don't, you know what I mean? I was just looking to smile and laugh and have fun again. And John was sort of a throwback to my, like my old time growing up in this very ethnic family. John's fun. I mean, and I relate to that too, because I think getting married, I got married young and I was sort of an adult right away. So I didn't get to, you know, now I'm in my late thirties and I feel like now I'm sort of doing my 20s in a funny way. Like, it's sort of like it, these things happen in different times for different people, I think. But, yeah, I could see that, that, that you guys had a fun relationship. And we still, like, we still do. I, last night he made me laugh about something because he's, he's, he's living out of the state right now. But we stay in touch. I, you know, I think it's hard to spend a lot of time with someone. I, mean, I was with him like six, seven years and then not see him again. I just don't roll like that. I mean, I remember, you know, someone on the show said, you still talk to him? I'm like, yeah, I've known this person seven years. So my last thing I just want to talk about is that um, you you said, at 56, I finally feel like I'm living a life I have ownership over. What's your kind of, like, goals? What's what's your sort of next thing that you're looking to? And when you're thinking about family, what's your kind of hopes and dreams for your family going forward? One of the things that I think is most valuable to me now at C56 that I'm so proud of is my freedom. Like I have freedom. And as a woman to be able to say that, you know, physically, spiritually, mentally, financially is such a powerful thing. I loved this experience of writing and exploring that part of myself. And I just literally want to keep entertaining and spreading the love and making it nice and meeting new people and you know, just doing what's good for Dorinda, not Dorinda Sincalo or Dorinda Lynch or Dorinda Medley or the mom or the wife, just me. Like I get to be selfish with myself for the first time I think ever in my life. And it just feels good. It really does. Dorinda, again, I I, I just adore you. I think you're so awesome. I'm a huge fan. But this was a beautiful uh, podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Dorinda Medley. Join me next time for some more great discussions about family life today. Be sure to follow We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at parents.com slash wearefamilypodcast. We Are Family is presented by me, Julia Dennison, and produced by Sam Walker. Editing is by Vincent Cachione, and thanks also to the rest of our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, and Danielle Roth. We'll see you back here next week for more We Are Family.